Podcast One Production. Your morning agenda. Summer edition. Hello, Natasha Belling here. Thanks for your company this Tuesday, the 29th of December. As many of you are enjoying a well-deserved break, we are looking at the top news stories that have set the agenda in 2020 and will still be making news next year. We'll be back with all the breaking news and sport from Monday the 11th of January, but until then, please enjoy your Morning Agenda's Summer Edition. As holidaymakers head to the beaches this summer and also enjoy the backyard pools, authorities are urging Australians to take extra care in the water. Just weeks before Christmas, we saw two tragic cases where parents died trying to save their children who were in trouble in the surf. Two dads drowned near Noosa in Queensland after they jumped in to try and save their young kids. While in mid-December, a 55-year-old dad died after trying to save his 20-year-old son near Newcastle in New South Wales. For kids under five, the major danger is still backyard pools. Last year, 12 children in Australia drowned in what experts call the silent killer that can happen in a matter of seconds. So how do you keep your children safe and what should you do if you're caught in a rip? Today, we chat with Bondi lifeguard of almost 20 years, Andrew Reedy-Reed, and world champion swim coach and founder of the water safety campaign Kids Alive, Laurie Lawrence. Laurie, thanks so much for joining us. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having us. So how are we looking in 2020 with water safety? Look, for me, the under fives are the ones I'm most interested in. They're the most vulnerable. They're the kids that haven't learned to swim properly yet and are more likely of drowning. What's happened over since the year 2000 when Kids Alive went national for the very first time when 63 kids under the age of five drowned in the year 2000? Gosh. Last year... We had 12. So we've taken drownings from 63 down to 12. But if you look at it, that is a mini bus of kids. Mm. A mini bus of kids. If a mini bus of kids went into Sydney Harbour or even a creek anywhere around Australia, we'd be horrified. Horrified. But of those 12, six drowned in backyard pools. Laurie, we know the dangers of backyard pools in particular with drownings. Why is it still happening? Um, Well, as I said, we've made tremendous inroads, but still, uh, it's not just the the pool gate. It's not just that. And it's not just check your pool gate. The Kids Alive program is about kids alive to the five. So it's fence the pool, shut the gate. Teach your kids to swim. It's great. That's my, that's what I love. My own two grandkids now are having swimming lessons there. 15 months of age and they're underwater and floating. They're starting to turn around. They're starting to pull themselves up. Still not safe. Not safe. Supervise what you make. We've all got to take ownership on this. Watch these little kids and learn resuscitation because if an accident occurs, if you can actually perform CPR at the point of immersion, then the kids have got an 80% better chance of survival. So these are all things. It's not Kids Alive do the one. Kids Alive do the five. Laurie, an interesting uh, statistic also over 2020 is concerningly a number of children 
have not attended swimming lessons because with restrictions or fears over COVID, a lot of parents have either not let their children attend classes or have pulled them out of classes. Well, I mean, I know all calls around Victoria were closed down. In fact, there's between 20 and 30 pools won't ever open again. Swim schools won't ever open again because they, they've just gone broke in the interim. So that is a worry. And then kids not having swimming lessons... That is a huge worry. Um, but what's happened, we've found at our uh, swim school, and we closed early because we were all frightened of uh, COVID with not only our clients, but also our staff. Yes. Uh, we've been up back up now about five weeks teaching swimming, and our numbers are bigger than they were before COVID. So I think parents have got the idea they will get back into lessons and they will come back. But when they come back, those kids, are going to be behind the eight ball mm. because they haven't done any swimming over at all over the winter period, none whatsoever. So they come back and parents expect them to be as good as they were when they stopped. Unfortunately, with little kids, they're not. So we've got to take our time. We've got to take them in the water, give them time to play in shallow water so they get the orientation about water again, so they can get the feel of themselves float feel that buoyancy and if you come back and slowly do it for the first couple of weeks and take the kids to the pool for a play as well before you know it they're back where they were and even further advanced so it's there's an onus on parents now that COVID seems to be under control all over Australia get back to the pool get your lessons happening again um, because we know swimming saves lives swimming saves lives. It does indeed. Now, Laurie, in regards to, I guess, distractions, supervision, the importance of keeping an eye on kids of all ages in the pool is incredibly important. How much of an issue do you think is lack of supervision with, uh, I guess, drownings or kids getting into trouble, especially the mobile phone? Oh, the mobile phone's a pest around the pool. Phones are a distraction, definitely around pools. So it's most important. Uh, to put the phone away, watch your kids having lessons and take an interest in them. But for me, the best thing is to get the parents in the water because then the parents are totally involved, there's great bonding and it's maximum supervision and maximum practice time. Laurie, if you can explain, because you've been involved in water safety and congratulations on everything that you have done in this country about making people aware of the dangers of water, especially with drownings. Explain to us how quickly this can happen, especially with little kids. I remember my youngest was super, super young. I was in the pool with him. I turned my head for five seconds and he slipped from the step and straight into the deep water. It literally happened in a heartbeat. Well, it does happen in a heartbeat and... The worst part about it, I know with the twins, my, my grand-twins, um, they fall over, they cry, they cry. And what do you do? You run and pick them up. But in the pool... You don't hear them cry. It's silent. You mm-hmm. don't hear any tears. You don't hear them cry. It's silent in the pool. And that's why a swimming pool in your backyard, it's like a loaded gun ready to go off. And that's why you've got to be so careful. 
And Laura, there are so many people that don't make it and it is your worst nightmare as a parent. What would your advice be to parents this summer? Because we are going to head to the beach. We are going to use our backyard pools. What's your key piece of advice for parents and families this Christmas? Kids alive, do the five. Fence the pool, shut the gate. Teach your kids to swim, it's great. Supervise, watch your mate and learn how to resuscitate. Kids alive, do the five. Laurie Lawrence, thank you once again for everything that you have done for water safety in this country and have been responsible for saving many lives. Thank you so much. My pleasure. The other deadly danger this summer is the surf. As tens of thousands of Australians head to the beach for holidays, we chat with Bondi lifeguard Andrew Reedy-Reed and find out how to spot a rip, what to do when you're caught in one and why he wants parents and children to enrol in surf survival classes. Reedy, thanks so much for joining us. No problems, Natasha. Now, in 2019 last year, statistics showed that drowning numbers for coastal areas were the worst in 15 years. We all know about staying safe in the surf. Why do you think so many people are still dying on our beaches? Um, I just think it's probably a combination of lack of education and I just think a growing population. I think a growing population means there's more people heading to the coast um, to get out of the the hot sun or to cool off and I think it's probably people are looking at we're just getting such a we're so busy in Australia now it's it's getting so populated that um people are looking for more secluded places where unfortunately they're unpatrolled beaches so um yeah it's really sad. Rudy you've been a lifeguard at Bondi Beach for almost 20 years now do you still get surprised by how dangerous the surf can be? Um I guess knowing it I've, as you mentioned I've been doing it a long time it's nearly 20 years now it's um I guess knowing knowing the conditions, it's kind of it's kind of easy for me to understand it. But I can see how people get it wrong, and I can see how they make mistakes. But I just think it's up to each individual. We live in a country that's you know it's um it's full of coastlines that we all love to enjoy. I think it's up to people to educate themselves on how to I guess not only spot a rip, but how to to get out of one if you if you need to. And how do you spot a rip? Like, when do you know, okay, I'm in trouble and what should you do? Um, well, I guess the first thing is to, like, look out into the water and, and know how to sort of see the difference between the water moving out and the water moving in. And that's pretty much basically it. And basically how to spot a rip is you look out to sea and you can – it's usually where the waves aren't breaking. I mean, that's not always the rule, but nine times out of ten, it's usually where the waves aren't breaking. It's where it's deeper, darker water because basically – um, the mechanism of a rip, of a rip is um, the water, yeah, obviously waves bring the water in and the bigger the waves, the stronger the rips, um, but the waves bring the water in and that water's got to find its level. It's got to find its way back out. So it creates a channel. And so the reason why the waves won't break in that channel is because it's deeper. So the rip is usually deeper, darker water um, and, and sort of got a ripply effect because that's because it's moving. That's because it's moving away from the beach. And so... Um, I guess that's probably how you spot it from the beach. Look for deeper, darker water. Look for where the waves aren't breaking. I guess that's our most, that's people's most common mistake when they come to Bondi. That's where they want to swim because they see the crashing waves and they think, oh, geez, that looks dangerous. And they go for that flat, what looks placid water, but usually that's where the rips are. So, um, yeah, deeper, darker water, um, usually where the waves aren't breaking. And, um, and, yeah, but I guess to answer your other question is the best way to get out of it. Um, is most of the time, if you just remain calm, which is probably goes against everything that um, your body's telling you if you're getting dragged away from the beach. But nine times out of ten, a rip will just literally take you out and around the back of the bank 
and then bring you in on the bank because that's the way that they function. That's the mechanism of them nine times out of ten. Obviously, that's not all the time. But if you just remain calm, obviously put your hand up um, to try and get some assistance, but just remain calm. I think I think a, a lot of the times in the situation of a drowning, um, it's actually lactic acid building up in the arms when people are struggling to stay afloat and they're panicking and they're using up all the oxygenated blood in their system. Um, but all this lactic acid builds up. You know when you go for a 100-metre sprint and suddenly you feel really heavy in the legs when you haven't done it in a while? Um, usually that's that's the issue and that's when people um, unfortunately go under and they drown. So if you can just remain calm, most people can float. You can just float and normally you will just float, like I said, out to sea um, and you will end up back on the bank where the waves are actually breaking and where you can probably stand. Really exactly that thing happened to me. I got caught in a rip uh, at Kingscliff in northern uh, New South Wales about two years ago. I know all the rules. I'm a strong swimmer and I panicked. And when I came up, I swallowed all the water from a wave and the sand wasn't beneath me and I absolutely panicked and I put my hand up and a surfer was there. But, you know, I knew all the rules and it can still happen so easily. It's just incredible what people do when they panic. And that's, um, and that's you know, people make, I mean, I've rescued people, I've paddled out to people and they were standing on other people just to stay afloat. And it's it's just incredible, like, the way people react and the way that your um, train of thought just completely changes and you just think about one thing and usually that's getting back to shore. But there are great educational programs out there that will help you get comfortable in swimming in ribs. So if you if you do plan on doing a bit of ocean swimming, I, I recommend every parent to go out there and do it. I know I learned from probably one of the best, who's Spot Anderson down here at Bondi Beach when I was a young kid. And, and um, you know, he, he does things where he takes kids out in rips and literally you float out in them and you get comfortable and you learn and you understand the mechanism of them. And I think they should be almost taught and, and uh, in schools. Um, I know Dean Gladson, another one of my lifeguard buddies, he's also running a program down here at Bondi called the Surf Academy. So um, little things like that and education can really help. Unfortunately, Reedy, across December we've seen three dads die in separate cases where they've gone in to try and rescue their kids. We saw one in Queensland where two dads died trying to rescue their kids from the surf and in mid-December we saw a 55-year-old dad die in the surf after trying to rescue his 20-year-old son who survived. What do you think is causing that? Oh, it's just so sad. But, it's I mean, as I said before, I think it's just – I think it's just people swimming at unpatrolled beaches, but I'm pretty sure you can almost guarantee that all of those beaches were unpatrolled. And it's like I said, we're just getting so, I mean, I know I heard on the news the other day that um, every single coastal town in Australia is completely booked out for the Christmas holidays. So people are like going off the beaten track to try and find places to sort of get away with their family. But unfortunately it's leading into unpatrolled beaches where there aren't lifeguards and lifesavers to help. And we know how deadly rips are and you've just got to, I think you've just got to stick by those rules. If you're not educated and you don't understand the surf, then don't swim at unpatrolled beaches. So if you are in trouble and the beach is not patrolled, should you go in to rescue your kids? Um, look, it's, you're asking someone that's got two kids under two, I would 110% go in and I don't think, I don't think it's, a, um, I don't think it's a, a question every parent would probably go in. I think what you should do as a parent is you should educate yourself and understand what to do before you take them to the beach. I think that's the most important thing is, you know, I'm lucky I'm, that's what I do for a job, but if I didn't, then I would go and do one of the courses and I would know how to get myself out of a rip because, I mean, kids, kids, they love spending time at the beach. You're probably going to spend 40% of your time at the beach. It's the place you want to know and understand really well.
I know you mentioned earlier, which is completely correct, uh, this Christmas uh, beaches are going to be packed and people are flooding away for holidays. What would your key piece of advice be if any families are heading to the beach this summer? Oh, look, probably always swim at a patrol beach. Um, I mean, most of the beaches are patrolled sort of near the city areas, but once you start getting a couple of hours down or up the coast, um, that's when you start to find beaches that don't have lifeguards. Um, yeah, I mean, if you absolutely can't swim at a patrol beach, then always swim with a flotation device because, you know, you're always going to be able to stay afloat. You hear those stories about fishermen that, that hang on to the esky for, you know, 12 hours and they can, they'll survive. And if you're, you're always out there with a flotation device, for example, a surfboard that makes sure it's got a leg rope, make sure it's attached to you. Um, yeah. And always, but otherwise, yeah, otherwise just always swim between the flags. Excellent advice, Freddy. Thank you so much. (laughs) No worries, Natasha. And don't forget your morning agenda with the latest news headlines is back from Monday the 11th of January. Tomorrow we'll be back with another episode in the summer series and we'll chat about the so-called long haulers, the survivors of COVID-19 who were still suffering shocking long-term side effects and why one Australian MP is calling for better government support. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.